Well, this morning we're going to continue our series entitled Good News of Great Joy. And if you want to look with me in the Gospel of Luke chapter 2, if you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. If you want to follow along on the screen, you can go with us also. The Bible speaking of Mary, the virgin, the Bible says she gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. And that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding the flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them. I want to stop there for just a second because this morning as I was studying and praying and preparing, that word suddenly just grabbed my heart. And the Lord said that today is a suddenly day. And I don't know if you know what that means, but let me tell you what that means to me. It simply means this, that God in a moment can suddenly do something that changes everything. And that God is able to intervene in our lives. And this is what I felt like the Lord said. Maybe you're here this morning and maybe you've been praying and believing for something for a long, long time. And maybe you've almost given up. Maybe you've persevered. Maybe you're at the end of your rope. Or maybe you're just in a, in a place where you're even wondering, is this ever really going to happen? I want to just encourage you today. I believe that today is a suddenly day. I believe it's a day that God can suddenly move and suddenly show up. And in a moment, God can change everything. I shared that word this morning via text with our leaders. And Miss Lisa, her and Forrester, one of our elders in the church, she texts back. She said, this morning the Lord quickened that same word in her heart. She said, I heard the same word this morning, suddenly. And so this is what I want to do this morning. If you're here today and you need a suddenly in your life, I want you just to stand up. If you need God just to do a sudden work, a sudden miracle, a sudden breakthrough, I want you. Maybe you've been praying for a long time. Maybe you just started believing for something, but you need a suddenly. Right now, let's just lift our hands. If you're not standing, extend your hands to the people that are standing up today. Lord, we just declare a suddenly today. God, we just stand in obedience to your word. Father, you're the God that can suddenly move. You're the God that can suddenly bring healing and breakthrough and deliverance. That we can go from darkness to light, from sickness to healed, from brokenness to wholeness, from blinded eyes to eyes that see, God, from deaf ears to ears that hear, from barren wounds to pregnant bellies, God. You are the God of the suddenly. And Lord, I just declare suddenly over your church today. God, I just declare your word that says suddenly. Everything changed. Suddenly, everything changed. And so, Lord, today we just put our faith in you. Jesus said, have faith in God. And so, Lord, we just trust you today as the God of the suddenly. And we release that suddenly over your people today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on. That's right. Amen. So the Bible says that suddenly the angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them and they were terrified. But the angel assured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a babe wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. 
And over the last few weeks, we've been talking about how that the birth of Jesus Christ and the celebration of Christmas is really this amazing thing. It is the good news that brings great joy to all people. And that as believers, as Christians, as born-again followers of Christ, we have the hope of the world, right? We have the only message, think about that, the only message capable of bringing eternal life. Apart from Christ, there is no life. Apart from Christ, there is no hope after death. Only judgment and fear and trembling. But because of Jesus, come on somebody. Because of Jesus, we have hope. And we have been given the words of eternal life. And I want to encourage you, as I have all month this month, I want to encourage you to invite somebody this week. Next Sunday, Christmas morning, December 25th, 9.30, one service at both of our locations. We're going to gather together for one hour, one hour of special service. And it's going to be an amazing time. Let me tell you what we're going to do. We're going to have a very special family-friendly service next Sunday morning at 9.30. And what I mean by family-friendly is simply this. If you have children or grandchildren that you bring to church and you've got some older kids that you feel like you would like to draw them in to be a part of what our kids call big church, right? We would love for you to bring your kids to big church next Sunday and be a part of what God is going to do. We're going to be singing some classic Christmas carols. We're going to have a special candlelight service, part of the service. We're going to be doing communion together and we're going to have a special presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We will have children's ministries available for everybody who wants to take their kids to children's ministry, but if you want to draw your family together, the kids, as we said, wear their Christmas pajamas, adults, wear your favorite sweater or however you want to come, just come to church, but I want you to come. But this is what I also want you to do. I not only want you to come, I want you to invite somebody to come. We've already been talking about last three weeks, 70% of all unchurched people would come to church if somebody would just invite them. So I want to challenge you, don't let that slip. Don't let that fall off your radar. Don't let that run by your uh, peripheral vision, so to speak. Let's put that in the focal point of our lives this week. And let's be intentional to invite people this week to church. Sunday morning, 9.30, one service, awesome time just to gather together and celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen from somebody today? All right. Praise the Lord. So last week we talked about how the gospel is good news because Jesus is our Messiah. He is the anointed one. Today we're going to dive a little bit deeper because the angel said that Jesus was not only the Savior and not only the Messiah, but he was the Lord. So I want you to think about that. The gospel is good news of great joy. It is the good news of great joy to all people because Jesus is Lord. And I want you to consider with me this morning the fact that the baby that was born in a manger will one day come again as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. How many of you believe that today? I mean, if you really believe that, come on, how many of you believe that the baby in the manger is coming again as the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Amen? <clears throat> and here's what I know if we believe that. If we really believe that the baby that was born in a manger, that lived a sinless life, that died as a substitute on the cross for our sins, and then three days later literally rose from the dead, conquered death, hell, and the grave, if we believe that same Jesus that was born in the manger is one day going to come again. Not as a suffering servant, but as the King of kings, as the Lord of all lords. If we believe that, this is what I think ought to happen. I think it should create an urgency 
in our hearts. I think it should create an urgency in our hearts that says, I need to tell somebody about Jesus. I heard an old pastor, he's already passed away and went home. Adrian Rogers was his name. He pastored one of the largest Baptist churches, I believe, in the state of Tennessee. And I saw a little clip this week from him. He made this statement. I thought it was so powerful. He said this. He said, if you are not actively pursuing people to come to Christ, if you're not actively sharing your faith, this is what he said, then you're outside of the will of God. If you're not actively pursuing an opportunity to share your faith, then you're outside the will of God. Why? Because Jesus died that we might live and that finding life, we might tell others about him. Amen? And all of a sudden, I want to just challenge us as believers, as Christians, those who have experienced the hope of Christ, those who know what it means to have a promise of eternity. To know that we have a responsibility to share that good news with other people. And I don't believe that means we've got to be weird people that are dragging people to church and hitting people over the head with the Bible. But I do think it means that we should be intentional people. That are daily looking for opportunities. God, just give me an opportunity today to share the gospel. And if the door opens, God, I'm going to step through it. And if the opportunity presents itself, I'm going to say something. And you know what I found out in my own life? If I am prepared to say something, then when the opportunity comes to say something, I actually know what to say. But if I'm not prepared to say anything, then when the opportunity presents itself, I usually miss the opportunity because I'm struggling to find the right words. So what if we believed it was the will of God for us to tell people about Jesus? And what if because we believe that, we actually prepared our hearts every day to have a way to just introduce Jesus Christ to other people and share the love and be not weird or crazy but be passionate and intentional about sharing the love of Jesus Christ and inviting other people, not just to church, which is awesome. Because if they come to church, they're going to find Jesus. Can I get an amen? amen? We're going to tell them about him. But more importantly, inviting them to come to Christ and being intentional because we believe that the same baby that was born in the manger is going to one day come again. Amen? Look with me how John the Revelator describes that day. Revelations 19, he says, And I saw the heavens open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. And his eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no one knew except himself. And he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. And now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he himself shall tread the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of, the, of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name that is written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Can I get an amen today? Come on, somebody. The same Jesus that was born in a manger, the same Jesus that died on the cross is the same Jesus that's going to come again as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So today let's talk about that. Let's talk 
about three expressions of the lordship of Jesus Christ. When you look at the word Lord and what that means biblically and scripturally, you begin to see some amazing things that begin to unfold. What I love about the Bible is that there are layers upon layers upon layers of truth that you can discover. And so I want to just share with you three specific things that the lordship of Jesus Christ really means according to the word of God. The first one is simply this. The word Lord means owner. It means to own, to take possession of. Jesus redeemed us. He literally purchased our lives and our freedom, and we no longer belong to ourselves. I want you to think about that. Jesus is Lord. What does that mean? It means that he is the owner. He has purchased our lives. He has purchased our freedom. Think about this. He didn't just purchase your freedom from sin. He actually purposed, purchased your life. When you became a Christian, Jesus took ownership of your life. Lordship is ownership. It means that the property of my life and my soul now belongs to God. And everybody, think about this, everybody on planet earth, everybody that has been born, everybody that ever will be born has to make a choice and a decision. Here's the decision you have to make. Whose property am I going to be? Am I going to be the property of sin? Am I going to be the property of self? Or am I going to be the property of Jesus Christ? I say to you today, guys, hear me today. I, I want you to hear this this morning. I want you to hear me today. I was thinking about this and I thought, you know what? I just want to take a sign and write on it and hang it around my neck. I am the property of Jesus Christ. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords in my life, and I belong to him. How about anybody in here today? How many of you glad you belong to King Jesus this morning? Amen? So let's talk about it. Listen to what the Bible says in Galatians chapter 4. It says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law to redeem them, to purchase them, to buy back their life out of the hand of sin, out of the slavery to this world. He redeemed them that they might receive the adoption as sons. And because you're sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you're no longer a slave, but a son and a daughter. And if you're a son or a daughter, then guess what? You're an heir and a joint heir, the Bible says, with Jesus Christ. First Peter says this, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but you were redeemed, think about this, with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. I'm glad we've been purchased today. We've been purchased by the blood of Jesus. We've been redeemed, bought back out of slavery to sin and self so that we can be sons and daughters of the Most High God. Amen? I love that song, No Longer a Slave Because We're Sons. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Listen to what Paul says. He says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? Look at this last phrase. And you are not your what? You're not your own. You are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You were bought with a price through the blood of Jesus. He has ownership over our hearts, and he has ownership over our lives. We belong to him. Amen. And he's a good owner. 
and a good master and a good Lord. Can I get an amen from somebody today? I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Listen to these two verses. He says, for the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus. If one died for all, then all died. And if he died for all, then those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Paul said this, if one man died for all, then all men ought to live for one man, Jesus. Because he purchased our freedom. He redeemed our lives. He bought us back out of the hand of the enemy so that we could be sons and daughters of the most high God. So Jesus is Lord. He owns our lives because he laid down his life for us. Amen? Look at that next point. The word Lord also means master. Jesus is our master. He has the authority, literally the right to rule over our lives. Think about that for just a second. Jesus is Lord. The word Lord literally means to be master. He purchased us. He redeemed us. He bought us with his own blood. And now he has the right. He has the authority and the right to rule over our lives. Listen to what Jesus said in the Gospel of Luke. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things that I say? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things that I say? Think about this. When Jesus is Lord of your life, he is your master. He has the right to rule over your life. So when God says go, we should go. And when God says no, we should say no. Why? Because he's Lord. He's our master. See, we live in a very self-centered world today. We live in a rebellious world. How many of you understand pride breeds rebellion? Pride beats rebellion. I want you to look with me in John chapter 3. Pride breeds rebellion. And the world, our world that we live in, resists God. It resists the authority of God. It resists the lordship of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you why. Because Jesus explains it to us. He says, because they love darkness rather than light. Listen to John chapter 3 verse 19. Jesus said, and this is condemnation. Let me stop there for just a second. Because if you back up a couple verses, verse 17 of John chapter 3, Jesus said this, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So Jesus said, God didn't send Jesus to condemn us. God sent Jesus to save us. But in John verse 19, 3 verse 19, Jesus tells us, where does condemnation come? Where does judgment come? Where does all the guilt and the shame come from? Let me tell you where it comes from. Listen to what Jesus said. It doesn't come from God. It comes from our selfish, rebellious natures. Listen to what he says. And this is condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. When you hear somebody say, well, I don't like going to church because all the church does is condemn people and judge people. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Because the message of the gospel is not a message of condemnation. It's a message of salvation that sets us free from the condemnation, listen to me, from the condemnation of sin and self. 
Guilt and shame are the result of making choices and decisions outside the Lordship of Jesus Christ. When you love your darkness more than you love His light, you condemn yourself. And Jesus is Lord. He's Master. And He's called us out of our own pride and out of our rebellion because He wants to deliver us from the condemnation of sin and self and bring us into the righteousness of God that brings healing and hope and restoration to our souls. Think about it. Satan is a rebel. He rebelled against God and then he led a rebellion. One third of the angels rebelled against God and left the glory of heaven. Think about the magnitude of the rebellion that took place in heaven. And I don't know if the angels understood it, but let me tell you what happened the day they rebelled. The day they rebelled against the rule of God, they submitted to the rule of Satan. The day they said, Jesus is no longer my Lord, they said, Satan is now my Lord. Everybody has a master. And everybody has a Lord. And everybody is serving somebody. Somebody might say, well, no, not me, Pastor Keith. I'm just living my life doing my own thing. Let me tell you something. If you're living a self-centered, self-serving life, you're pledging allegiance to Satan because he is the lead rebellion. Years ago, I heard Ray Comfort. He interviewed a satanic priest, and he asked the satanic priest this question. I thought it was so insightful. He said, how do you get people to worship Satan? I mean, that kind of seems extreme in America. How do you really get people to worship Satan? And the satanic priest said, oh, no, 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 you don't understand. He said, the satanic church is not about Satan worship. The satanic church is all about self-worship. He said, you are your own God. And we want to help you worship you. Everybody serves somebody. There's two people, God or the devil, light or darkness, and two destinations, heaven or hell, and everybody is serving somebody. Every one of us have to choose who is my master. See, in modern Christianity, we really have it messed up because we have somehow made Jesus our servant, and we've become our, the master. And I know that's true because we get mad at God when he doesn't do what we want him to do. Think about that for a second. We get mad at God when he doesn't do what we want him to do. In that scenario, let me ask you, who's the master and who's the servant? When we make ourselves the master, we expect God to follow our orders and somehow prayer becomes God in a magic bottle where we're praying our prayers and we're expecting genie God to answer all our prayers. And we get frustrated and we get discouraged and we get overwhelmed and even angry at God because he didn't do what we wanted him to do. And I want you to hear me today. When you get in that mindset where you make yourself master instead of Jesus master, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. You're setting yourself up for failure. You're setting yourself up to be wounded and hurt in more ways than you can imagine. 
And so I want you to hear me today. Jesus declares his lordship because he wants to liberate us from the scheme of the enemy to make ourselves our own masters and worship ourselves instead of worshiping God. I'm just going to tell you, you and I make bad masters. But he's a good Lord. And we can submit to him and we can follow him. And we can serve him. Listen to this. I want you to think about this. Salvation is really the result of lordship. When a person comes under the lordship of Jesus Christ, we enter into the saving grace that Jesus brings into our lives. Look at Romans 10. We know this scripture, 9 and 10. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is what? If you confess with your mouth, not that Jesus is Savior, but that Jesus is Lord. You're confessing his ownership that he purchased you with his own blood. You're confessing his lordship that he is your master, that he has the right to rule. He can say go and he can say no because he's Lord. And if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. For with the heart, man believes in a righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Think about that. With the mouth, confession is made with salvation. When I confess Jesus as Lord, I come under the umbrella of his lordship, which brings the benefit of his salvation. I love Psalms 103. We read it last week. I'm just going to read it again because I want you to see this. When we yield to his rulership, we experience the benefits of his salvation. Psalms 103, look what it says. Bless the Lord. There it is again. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. These are the benefits of when Jesus is Lord of your life. Here's the benefits of lordship. This is what happens when Jesus rules and reigns over your life. He forgives all your iniquities. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from destruction. He crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy. He satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. And the Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. The only way to know Jesus as Savior is to know Jesus as Lord. The only way to know Jesus as Savior is to know Jesus as Lord. And when we submit to his lordship, his rulership, his mastery over our lives, and we acknowledge, you know what, Jesus, I've been bought with a price. I'm no longer my own. And you have the right to say go, and you have the right to say no over me. When I submit to that lordship, I experience the benefits of his lordship in my life, which is the saving grace, the mighty power, the healing anointing, and the grace of God that he wants to bring into our lives. And the degree to which I have submitted to his lordship is the degree to which I experience the benefits of his salvation. I love the story of the prodigal son. I love the story of the prodigal son. And what I love about that story is that the father never abandoned or rejected his son. But because of the disobedience and rebellion of the prodigal son, he came out from under the benefits of his father's house. 
He came out from under protection. He came out from under provision. He came out from under the power that his father had. When he was submitted to his father's authority, he had the benefits that his father had made available to him. But through his disobedience and rebellion, he ended up in the pig pen. Through his disobedience and rebellion, he ended up naked and hungry and desiring to feed himself with the pods that the pigs ate. See, the realization is if you're here today and you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, you've got to understand something. You've got to understand that the degree that you submit to his lordship is the degree that you experience his benefits. And it's not that God's picking and choosing who he blesses. There is an umbrella of God's authority. And when you're under the umbrella of God's authority, you experience the protection. You experience the provision. And you experience the power that his lordship brings. Through disobedience and rebellion, I step out from under the umbrella of his lordship. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever tried to do something? Maybe, maybe you wanted to do something, and maybe it wasn't the will of God. Maybe it wasn't the plan of God, but you wanted it really, 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 really bad, and you did everything you could do, and you worked at it as hard as you could do, and it still just didn't work. <laughs> you ever been there, done that? I have. I've had those moments in my life where I set my heart on something, and I really didn't take the time to pray about it, and I really didn't ask God what did he want me to do, but I thought this was a good idea, a great idea. It was a Keith idea. It had to be good, right? At least that's what I told myself. And I worked at it, and I dedicated to it, and I committed to it, and I did all the things I was supposed to do, and nothing ever really happened. And wall after wall, and problem after problem, and difficulty after difficulty. And then I've seen those moments in my life where I have then resubmitted to the Lordship of Christ. And all of a sudden, what was difficult and hard somehow became easy. And what seemed impossible in my flesh now came possible by the Holy Spirit. See, we have these plans, and we think God is going to do A, B, C, D, 1, 2, 3, 4. And God many times will go 1, 7, 13, 18, 22, 49. <laughs> and he's God. He can do that. Here's the good news. When I'm under the umbrella of his authority, <laughs> it don't matter. Because I can do what God can do when I'm living under his authority. I get to experience the benefits of his salvation when I'm submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And God can meet my needs when I don't think my needs can be met. And God can heal my body when I don't think I can be healed. And God can restore my marriage when I don't think it's beyond restoration. And God can bring hope to my family when I think there is no hope if I'm willing to just come under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen from somebody? Look at that next to the last point right here. I want you to see this. The word Lord also means dominion. Jesus is owner. Lordship is ownership. Lordship is rulership. But lordship is also dominion, which simply means this. Jesus has dominion. He has power over all creation and all created things. And everything is subjected to his power because he is Lord of all. That's how God can take the worst thing and turn it into the best thing. That's how God can take all things that the devil brought against you and somehow what was intended to destroy you, God will use to edify you and build you up. What the world thought was going to crush you, God will use to elevate you and promote you to a new level. Why? Because he is God. All power, all authority, and all dominion in heaven and on earth belong to him. Come on, somebody. And he's the God we serve. Look what the Bible says in Colossians 1. 
It says Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created, and he is supreme over all creation. He is supreme over all creation. Y'all thought supreme was what you got on your pizza. Right? Jesus is supreme. He is everything. Come on, somebody. Making me hungry. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things that we can see. He made the things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. I love that phrase. He holds all creation together. Let me give you some good news today. God's got you. Now, God's given you a choice. He's given you a will. You can be a prodigal that rebels and comes out from under the authority of God and end up in a pig pen. Or you can submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and know that in this place, God's got me. And God's got everything that I need and all of his promises and everything that I could ever desire to live the life he's called me to live is readily available to me. Because he holds it all together. He has complete dominion because he is Lord of Lords. Lord of Lords. Look what Paul says in Philippians chapter 2. He says, Therefore God elevated him, speaking of Jesus, to a place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus Christ is Lord. Let, let me tell you something sobering today, and we're going to look at our last point in just a minute. Let me give you a, a last thought before we move on. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Every knee, every tongue. The question is not, will you confess him? The question is, will you confess him willingly on earth and submit your life to his lordship? Or will you on the day of judgment acknowledge his lordship? Come on, as he says, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, because I never knew you. At the end of the day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess Jesus is Lord. The question is, when will you do it? Will it be a matter of your choice by faith to believe in him? Or will it be a matter of his dominion as king of kings and lord of lords saying, bow and every knee will bow? And every tongue will confess. Because he came as a lamb, but he's coming back as a lion. And every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Look at that last point. I want you to hear this today. The Lordship of Jesus Christ is the good news that brings great joy. Why? Because those who submit to him will reign with him. Think about that. That's good news. Those who submit to him will reign with him. I believe there's two expressions of that. I believe that we get to reign with Christ in the here and now. Matthew 28, the Great Commission, Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. And then he looked at his disciples and he says, Therefore, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He said, and whoever believes in me, the works that I do will he do, and greater works than these will he do, because I go to the Father. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he says, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, telling people everywhere 
about who I am and what I can do. See, when we submit to his rule, we get to reign with Christ. We get to reign on earth. We get to walk in power and authority and dominion. We are not victims. We are victors. We are not conquered and defeated. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Amen. But not only do we get to reign with Christ on earth, but we get to reign with Christ in heaven. Listen to what the Bible says. Revelations chapter 20 says this, Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. For them the second death holds no power, and they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with Him for a thousand years. That's called the millennial reign of Christ. And we're going to reign with Christ for a thousand years. As He rules the earth, the Bible says, this earth right here with a rod of iron. But then after the millennial reign, guess what? There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And you're not going to be an angel on a cloud playing a harp for eternity. We're going to rule and reign with God on a, in a new heaven and on a new earth forever and ever and ever and ever. And the good news of the gospel is that those that submit to him get to reign with him. That's good news, guys. Let's do this today. Let's bow our heads this morning. Every head bowed. Every eye closed for just a minute. I'm going to ask our prayer teams if they would just to come. We're going to close with a final song of worship in just a minute. We're going to open the altars up for personal prayer and ministry. But before we do that, I want to, I want to give you an opportunity. If you're here today, the only way to experience Jesus as your Savior is to make Jesus your Lord. The benefits of salvation are wrapped up. They're totally wrapped up in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And if you're here this morning and you say, you know what, Pastor Keith, I've never really made Jesus Lord of my life. I've never really made Jesus Lord of my life. The truth is, I'm still governing me. God's yes doesn't mean anything and God's no doesn't mean anything. And I realize that today. Maybe you realize that, that for the first time in your life, maybe you realize you're still seated on the throne of your own heart. You're still the one who's Lord. And today you want to change that. Today you want Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your life. It's the greatest decision you can ever make because he's a good father. And he doesn't lord over you with aggression. He lords over you with love and compassion. And he leads us like a good father into the good things that he has for us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Lord, then you'll never know Jesus as Savior. So today's your day. If you're here this morning or you're watching online and you say, Today, Pastor Keith, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want his yes to be my yes. I want his no to be my no. And I want to follow him as the Lord of my life. If that's you, I want you just to raise your hand. Today, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want to experience the benefits of salvation by receiving Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. If you've never done that today, is your day. This is your moment. This is your hour. If you're watching online, you can type in that chat box. I'm raising my hand. You can hit that hand emoji. But this morning, God is calling out. He's saying, whosoever will, they can come. They can come. This is your moment. So if that's you right now, before we pray, I want you just to slip your hand up. Today, Pastor Keith, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life.
As hands go up, we're going to slip a little packet in your hand. We want to give you something to take on. We want to follow up with you. I personally want to check on you and help you take those next steps. Let's pray this prayer together. I'm going to ask everybody in the room to say it. If you're watching online, let's pray this prayer together. Let's say it out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Rose again on the third day. I confess that I've sinned. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins and be my Lord and my Savior. I submit my life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And I receive the gift of salvation through Him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Amen. We're going to go into our last song of worship. And we're going to open the altar up this morning. If you need prayer for any reason, we'd love to pray with you. Maybe you realize there's an area in your life where maybe you really haven't been saying yes to God's yes, and you maybe haven't been saying no to God's no. And maybe today you just want to resubmit your life to Him. You don't have to get re-saved, but you do need to recommit just to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. God, I just want to come back under that umbrella. I want to just line my heart and life back up with you. And I want to live my life under your Lordship. If that's you, we'd love to pray with you today. If you need prayer for any other reason, we'd love to agree with you this morning because we believe there's power in prayer. Amen. If you just want to come and kneel on the altar, you can come and just kneel. But this is your moment as we go into our last song of worship. Let's worship him this morning.